Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Soundsington Media! It's 11.30 p.m., and sleep will not come. It's a school night, and you know if you can't get some shut-eye soon, you're going to be exhausted in the morning. You've punched and plumped your pillows, and you've tossed and turned with your blankets and sheets so much that it looks like a tornado hit your bed. All of the tips that you've heard over the years about beating insomnia are rushing through your head at once. You've tried counting backwards by threes. You read through the most boring-looking book you could find on your bookshelf. You took five deep breaths in and five deep breaths out like ten times now. You've even tried meditating. But nothing is working. The numbers on your clock keep ticking up. Now it's 11.40, midnight. At this point, you would settle for anything just to get some sleep. Well, what if there was a mythical entity that had the power to do that? A being that could put you into an enchanted slumber, that could fill your dreams with visions of the most spectacular things you could imagine. Here's a hint. He's often talked about in the same conversations as other magical beings, like the Tooth Fairy. I'm talking about the Sandman. I'm Elise Parisian, and we're going to unravel the mysteries of the realm of dreams on this episode of Unspookable. Take a minute to think about some of the things that you need to make it through the day. And I mean really need. Nutritious foods, plenty of water, shelter and a place to call home, clothing to keep you warm in the winters and cool in the summers, and sleep. Yes, really. Sleep is one of the most important things that we need. It affects just about everything in our bodies. It's essential for our immune system and our organs to recover from our action-packed days. It's vital for our mental health, memory, heart, lungs, and central nervous system. We need sleep to function, period. So that's why if you've ever struggled with insomnia or being unable to sleep, chances are you felt awful the next day. Maybe you had brain fog and were out of it all day. When we don't get enough sleep, our brains and bodies know it. The average adult needs eight hours of sleep a night, while kids and even teens feel best after nine and a half hours. In total, 
This adds up to over 227,000 hours. That's 26 years, which is one third of our entire lifetime. With sleep taking up such an important role in our life, is it any surprise that stories, legends, and folklore about sleep and dreaming have been with us since the beginning of recorded history and beyond? When I ask you to think about dreams, what first comes to mind? Maybe like the young witches and wizards who take divination at Hogwarts in the Harry Potter series, you keep a dream journal. Maybe you've attempted to predict the future from your dreams, like the seers and prophets in ancient Greece. Or you've tried experimenting with lucid dreaming so you could bring your own fantasies to life. Or maybe you think about a certain magical being one who goes hand-in-hand hand with dreams and sleeping. The Sandman. I know the Sandman from the Guardians movie with Jack Frost, and I would explain him as a guy who goes into kids' rooms and helps them fall asleep with sand. I've heard of the Sandman, like, from my grandma, and in a couple kids' books, and in the movie The Guardians what was the first feeling you had the last time you woke up? Were you excited to face the day ahead of you? Did you wish you could sleep for just five more minutes? Or were you distracted by the feeling of gritty, sandy gunk encrusted in your eyes and eyelashes? If you've ever heard of the Sandman, you might instantly think it's all his doing. So who is the Sandman? Hundreds of years ago, in European, Germanic, and Scandinavian folklore, stories of the Sandman were told as bedtime tales to children to help them settle in and get cozy. In these cultures' oral traditions, once darkness fell, the moon rose, and stars scattered across the sky, the Sandman would arrive. He'd appear wherever children were trying to sleep and gently spirit kids off to a peaceful slumber. This human-like mythical being was said to have the power to grant beautiful dreams to sleepers, all by sprinkling stardust or enchanted powder into their eyes. The Sandman was a good guy. But like with fairy and mermaid mythology, it wasn't long before this bright and cheerful being evolved into something eerie and unsettling. In 1816, a 21-page story titled The Sandman was published. In it, German author Ernest Theodore Amadeus Hoffman, also known as E.T.A. Hoffman, reimagined the kind and helpful being as a scary, threatening, and evil creature. Get ready, because this story is twisted. If you're sensitive to depictions of body parts and mutilation, you may want to skip ahead 30 seconds. In Hoffman's terrifying tale, a young boy named Nathaniel is told a bloody bedtime story by his nanny. In it, the woman warns him of a wicked man who comes to little children when they won't go to bed. This dark sandman throws handful of sand into their eyes so that their eyeballs jump out of their heads. The nanny goes on to add that this sinister sandman tosses the stolen eyes into a bag. Then he returns to his home on the moon where he feeds the naughty children's eyes to his own monstrous, owl-beaked children. Talk about creepy. 
A dark sandman also appears in French-Canadian folklore. Known as Bonhomme Septurs, or the Seven O'Clock Man, this sandman appears as a large and tall old man who wears a thick coat and hat and carries a heavy sack over his shoulder. When he sees that children are still awake, he throws his own magic dust into their eyes to blind them and then stuffs the children into his sack. He steals them from their beds and brings them back to his lair, where he traps them forever, and sometimes eats them whole. The Seven O'Clock Man stories are so spooky because they were used as a way for adults to force kids who fought bedtime to go to sleep, to scare them to sleep. He's kind of like a cross between one of the boogeyman tales we mentioned in our Slenderman episode with the Sandman mythology. A more bizarre and less bloody Sandman story comes in 1841 in famed Danish author Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale, Ole Lukoi. In this story, the Sandman's name, Ole Lukoi, translates to shut your eye. He's a tiny, quirky, almost elf-like man who wears silk pajamas, carries around two magical umbrellas, and sprinkles milk into the eyes of sleeping children. His painted parasols take the place of the dream dust that other Sandmans use, and are the objects that Ola Lokoi uses to give wonderful dreams to good kids and horrible nightmares to bad ones. Taking place over the span of a week, Ola Lukoi gives the young boy and the main character of the tale, Yalmar, seven dreams. In the dreams, Yalmar, a good boy, meets talking animals, walks through a magical garden with sprites and princesses, and even boards a ship that sails across an enchanted ocean. A pretty sweet deal, right? So why is it that even though the Sandman is a work of fiction, he feels so real? Is it because sleep is such an essential part of our lives? Or could the reason the Sandman is still such an alluring figure be that even in the year 2021, dreams are just as mysterious, mystifying, and magical as they've been for billions of years before us? To get some answers, we have to look to the past. History has a hand in setting the stage for all the Sandman myths and how we think about dreams. As far back as 2700 BC, ancient Mesopotamians, Sumerians, and Babylonians were practicing onoromancy. This is a type of divination or way of predicting the future that was based on finding hidden meaning in dreams. You could even find their dream diaries. Massive stone tablets carved with the mysterious letters from their alphabets and languages long dead in museums. Dreams were also a big part of ancient Greek and Roman religion and mythology. There were entire temples and rituals dedicated to gods and goddesses with powers to grant prophetic dreams. People would visit and sleep in these places of worship in the hopes that the gods would speak to them through their dreams. They'd ask the gods to give them dreams full of advice, to help them make big decisions, or to heal them from illnesses or injuries. Some of these gods included Hypnos, the god of sleep, his wife, Pasithea, 
the goddess of relaxation and altered states of consciousness, and his three children, Morpheus, Phobator, and Phantasos, collectively known as the Oneroi. In Metamorphoses, a collection of 15 books full of Greek mythology and poems, written by ancient Roman writer Ovid, it's Morpheus that's the leader of the trio. He's said to be the one responsible for bringing dreams to all of humanity. A powerful shapeshifter, Morpheus can actually enter the dreams and dictate how the story goes. His brother Phobator, or Scarer, is the one who brings dark, disturbing nightmares, while Phantasos, or Fantasy, designs the appearance of the dreams and fills them with nature and inanimate objects like water and trees. These ancient cultures believed their dreams were entirely out of their control and up to the whims of the gods. They wouldn't even dare to think that they themselves had a role in creating dreams. When it came to medicine and science in that period of time, neurology, or the study of the brain, didn't exist. As fascinating and fantastic as it is, to imagine godly beings or mythical creatures like the Sandman slipping into our rooms at night to deliver dreams into our heads, in the modern era, we know that dreams are all the ingenious work of our brains. So why do we dream? And what do they mean? Could we really unlock the secrets of the future and the whole universe from our dreams? And how do nightmares fit into it? More on that after the break. Dreams are or kind of remind me of episodes on a TV show, and most of the time you're included in them. I've had a few dreams where I wasn't in them at all, but you could, it's kind of just like playing a character in a show, and you're just kind of witnessing all of it. You can interact with dreams, but I mean, that's kind of hard. I think a dream is like a figment of our imagination that we've made up in a past time and we have a dream about it and maybe we just forgot about it and then it came to us in a dream or like an idea that we had and it just formed together and caused a dream. I think we have dreams so that like we can take information or things we're thinking about like maybe see if we want to keep it, like if our brains want to keep it or get rid of it or something. And if it wants to get rid of it, it's like, whatever, forget that, forget it. And like your brain forgets it. But some things it wants to keep. And like, um, so when it has that dream, it like, it keeps that information. I think we have dreams because we think a lot in the day and like our brain just kind of uses it to keep going. Because it's kind of hard for your brain to just completely shut down in your sleep, so it just, like, kind of does that. When it comes to decoding how and why we dream, it gets a little complicated. First, let's look at the how. Our sleep is broken up into four stages. Driven by our brainwaves, also known as neurological activity, we cycle through these stages multiple times every time we sleep. Sleep experts would agree that we dream the most when we're in the final stage of sleep, known as REM, or rapid eye movement sleep. In REM sleep, the electrical activity in your brain quickly starts firing, 
and your brain waves pick up in frequency, becoming larger and faster than in any other stage of sleep. Your heart rate and blood pressure rise, and your breathing becomes quick and irregular. All of your muscles tighten and become impossible to move, except for your eyes and lungs. In as little as 10 minutes of REM sleep, we start to dream. As we cycle through non-REM and REM sleep, our bodies recover and rejuvenate, and our brains concoct between three to five dreams within our eight to nine hour sleeping period. We can dream for as much as two hours a night. So why do we dream? Scientists, psychologists, neurologists, and doctors have been trying to come up with an answer for hundreds of thousands of years. Because of that, there are a lot of theories about why we dream. Some of these theories see dreams as active creations. They say that dreams come from our brains processing our emotions. All the information we've taken in, and all of our recent experiences and conversations. In these theories, dreaming is our brain's way of building up to memory and continuing to learn and understand the world around us. Other theories say that dreams are just the leftovers of our brainwaves that spike up and down throughout the night, helping us go through each cycle of sleep, that it's the activity firing in our neurons, in our brains, that's responsible for randomly putting together the images and words that make up our dreams. These theories argue that dreams have nothing to do with our waking hours or have any special meaning. So which ones are right? Here's the thing. While experts all agree on a few things, like that our brains are the ones that create our dreams and that most of our dreaming happens in REM sleep, there's no one right answer about why we dream. All these theories have evidence, research, and studies to back them up. They're all valuable, and they all get us a little closer to uncovering why we dream. But what about precognitive dreams? Can our dreams predict the future? Respected figures like Abraham Lincoln were said to have glimpsed the future in their dreams. And many people today, just like you and me, claim that they've had unexplainably accurate dreams about future events. Is there any truth to this? As much as I'd love to tell you that our dreams had the power to give us the ability to peer into what's to come in the days, weeks, or even years ahead of us, unfortunately, there's not much proof to support this theory. Now that we've explored the how and why of dreams, get ready to meet more versions of the Sandman in pop culture and other mythical creatures and beings who also have a role to play in the realm of dreams and sleeping. I think nightmares are things that we've probably seen before or thought about that scared us and we got anxious over and that caused us to have the nightmares and imagined these bad things that could happen. This is the best way I can put it. Like, I think our brain, like, it has its fears and sometimes, like, its fears like creep into the it's like the dreams and then like it gives you like nightmares where like your fears are in your dream and like it's like scary stuff like if you're falling being chased or something they're like a horror movie they're just 
like kind of based off your fears. Uh, like especially most people have nightmares if like they watch a scary movie before bed or if they're thinking about like fears if you're like afraid of the dark then you're thinking about being afraid of the dark right before you go to sleep and uh if you're thinking about your fears then you're probably gonna have a nightmare beyond appearing in short stories and collections of fairy tales over the span of hundreds of years the sandman has also appeared in songs plays books comics tv shows films video games, and even songs. One of the most popular songs from the 1950s is Mr. Sandman. In the 1954 song, sung by the all-female group The Cordettes, the Sandman was once again reinvented as a generous bringer of good dreams and fanciful fantasies. In this case, the women ask him to bring them a handsome boyfriend. Almost 40 years later, in 1991, the heavy metal band Metallica released Enter Sandman, a loud, edgy song full of rough, distorted, and roaring guitars and pounding drums. In the five-and-a-half-minute song, the lead singer James Hetfield growls out disturbing lyrics like, Something's wrong, shut the light. Heavy thoughts tonight. Dreams of war, dreams of liars, dreams of dragon's fire. And warns the little boy in the song to sleep with one eye open, and never mind that noise he heard, that it's just the beast under his bed. This song launched Metallica to fame, and once it was released in July 1991, they sold over 30 million copies of their self-titled fifth album. In films and television, the Sandman appears as both a hero, a villain, and something in between the two. The Sandman had a supporting role alongside Tim Allen's Santa Claus in the much-loved Disney films 2002's The Santa Claus 2 and 2006's The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause. He's portrayed by actor Michael Dorn and is a part of both movies' Council of Legendary Figures, an organization that protects humanity, with Santa Claus and characters like Mother Nature. In 2012's animated film, Rise of the Guardians, based on the book series by William Joyce, the Sandman is known as the oldest and one of the most well-respected Guardians. He teams up with other Guardians, including Jack Frost, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, and Nicholas St. North, to stop the Nightmare King, also known as Pitch Black, from spreading fear and chaos over all the children in the world. With its first issue published in 1989 by DC Comics, Neil Gaiman's horror and dark fantasy novel series, The Sandman, follows a character named Morpheus, who is an endless, a kind of immortal being. Considered the Lord of Dreams, Morpheus, like the Greek and Roman god of the same name, has the power to create and control dreams, shapeshift, and warp reality. While Morpheus has done a lot of good for humanity, he's also very flawed and wouldn't consider himself a hero. Gaiman's series has been adapted into an audio drama, collections of short stories, and even trading cards. It currently has a Netflix series in the works and is a personal favorite of the team here at Unspookable. While the Sandman is the most iconic sleep-related mythical being in European and Western folklore, he's certainly not the only one. 
There are other legendary beings associated with dreams and dreaming in all parts of the world. In Japanese and Chinese folklore, there's the Baku. Appearing as far back as the 14th century, this supernatural being appears in the unique form of an elephant-headed, bear-bodied, tiger-footed, and ox-tailed creature. Historically known as the Dream Eater, the Baku's taste for gobbling up nightmares continues to this very day. Unlike the Sandman, the Baku acts as a sort of guardian for humans, especially for children, who by calling out, Baku-san, come eat my dream, three times, will be spared from the horrors of dark and dreadful dreams. However, relying on the Baku can spell trouble, as they're just as happy to feast on pleasant and happy dreams as they are on disturbing and bad ones. If you've ever watched Pokemon anime, read its manga, collected its cards, or played its video games, chances are you've encountered the psychic-type Pokemon Drowsy and Hypno. These quirky cartoon creatures are versions of the Baku. Dreams also have a special place in the indigenous American tribes in North America. In Lakota tribe tradition, Iktomi is a spider or spider-like man who is a trickster and a teacher who spreads his wisdom to help his people. Lakota tales tell of Iktomi coming to a spiritual leader in a vision one day. He shows the leader a way that he can protect and care for the youngest members of the tribe. He summons a willow hoop with feathers, beads, horsehair, and other offerings on it, and weaves a web. When hung above where children and babies sleep, the web, he says, will be able to trap bad dreams and harmful negative forces. The small hole in the middle of the web only lets the good, positive ones through. Ojibwe tribe tradition adds that once the first rays of the sun hit the web in the morning, those bad dreams disappear. That webbed hoop came to be known as a dream catcher. Chances are you've seen one of these, even if you're just hearing about the lore for the first time. Maybe you've seen tiny dream catchers turned into earrings or keychains, or printed onto t-shirts or clothing. Maybe you've even come across one in a shop at the mall and thought about buying one. Unfortunately, what's happening here is called cultural appropriation. Maybe you've heard adults or your friends talk about cultural appropriation, or heard it in a book, or on TV, or online. Cultural appropriation is when a dominant culture takes something that's very important to another culture and makes it into something else for their own purpose. In this case, it's taking what's considered to be a spiritual and even a sacred item, a dream catcher, and turning it into a knickknack that they're making or selling just to make a profit. Then people end up buying these dream catchers because they look pretty or make them feel special or unique, not because they actually have a spiritual connection to them. This is something to take into consideration when we see something that we think is beautiful but don't know its background. The human brain is a fascinating and unstoppable force. More intelligent than any technology we have in existence, our brains are constantly growing, learning, and evolving. When we're awake, our brain processes what's going on around us in mere seconds. But it doesn't stop there. 
As we've explored on this episode of Unspookable, even when we're sleeping, our brains are still our greatest superpower. As our bodies rest and recharge, our brains cycle through all of our memories, experiences, and emotions. Our fantastic brains can even invent entirely new visions and narratives, conjuring up dreams. They manifest mystical beings, mythical creatures, and otherworldly entities that take us on journeys as we sleep. A sprinkle of the Sandman's stardust may be able to send us off into an enchanted slumber filled with the most wondrous visions. But the thing is, with our brilliant brains and ingenious imaginations, the magic and power to dream is already within us. Thanks for listening to Unspookable. I'm your host, Elise Parisian. This episode was written by Victoria Thomas. Research done by Michael Grafwall. Produced and edited by Nate Dufort. Our theme song and additional music composed by Jesse Case. Our logo was created by Natalie Kewen. Special thanks this week to our guests Blythe, Bella, and Al. If you enjoy the show, make sure to tell your friends. You can leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice or share an episode on social media. Speaking of social media, you can find Unspookable on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us for a peek behind the scenes and for updates on the show. Unspookable is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to www.soundsingtonmedia.com. Let Mysteries at Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot, and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe, and others. I'm Christopher, and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story, so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app, and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.